did you hear that the Super Expander Mastermind is back for its fourth time running and it's open for enrollment. This is the sixth month container where you go from being an anxious achiever to a whole woman leader, expanding into a high flow CEO, the woman who's regulated operating her full potential in all areas of life. So whether you're an entrepreneur, a coach, or an executive, it's time to scale your wealth, your leadership, and success, and do it with a regulated nervous system. Together with the community of high-performing, high-achieving women just like you, you'll accomplish your wildest professional goals while reclaiming time, space, and freedom in your personal life. Together, we merge neuroscience, spirituality, and somatics to become a high-flow CEO. You'll have the opportunity to plug into high-level support, expansive conversations. Together, we release subconscious blocks and old patterns so that you can take consistent, intuitive action and truly pursue your highest purpose and potential. Ready to lead with a regulated nervous system? The link is below. The clients, the abundance, the impact, the peace, the ease, and the profitability are waiting on you to take the next step. Welcome back to the Super Expander Podcast. How are you doing, my loves? How are you doing? So excited. We have one of my favorite human beings here on, on the podcast today. So I feel filled with gratitude. I get to share her with you. She is a just... A magnificent human being. So warm welcome to Kimberly Valerie. Oh, thank you, Corey. Um, yeah, I'm really kind of, I'm really very honored to be here and to spend some time with you and your audience just talking shop about like expansion. I mean, your the name of your podcast when you first came out with it, I was like, Oh, that's the word I use everywhere. <laughs> that's the branding. I, I went with edge instead of expander, but that's, <laughs> so I knew back then I was like, yeah, this Corey's in my vibe. Yeah, my vibe. totally, totally in the vibe. So uh, that's funny because the name of the, the podcast came from a, a breathwork session. Legitimately from a breathwork session in the midst of the hypno breathwork certification. And I mean, you know, I know, and I think probably I've like worn this out on the podcast. Anybody that listens regularly knows that like, if you, if something comes to breath, it's just, you're doing it right. It's it's <laughs> yeah, it's written. It is written. Then you just need to do the thing. Absolutely. So a little bit of context. We both are, I think pretty much serial entrepreneurs, which means there's something that courses through our veins that makes us, I don't know, is that like glutton for punishment? I'm not even sure. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, why are we, why are my husband and I always wanting to like kind of chart our own course and do our own thing? Cause sometimes that comes with a lot of like, you got a lot of uncertainty. You're like a lot of risk, like and of course I don't want anyone capping my income. So let's like does that resonate? Yeah, it's like capping your income, but for me it was really because I've had I've had paid employment, I've worked corporately. Um, it's stifling whatever, you know, whatever kind of energy is moving in that phase of my life or what the next thing is. It's that stifling of expression. And it's really funny because I never ever considered myself a creative person, ever. I'm the least creative. I'm not artistic. 
um, I don't color, I don't draw, I don't design, I don't, I'm not super musical, like I'm not really, I wouldn't consider myself traditionally creative. What I've come to understand over my lifetime, being that I'm older now, and now you have time and history and you can see all those things, is that is my creativity. That's what makes me an entrepreneur at heart. It's that ability or need to always be in a creative state, a creative and expansive state. So then I get to that place and then I'm there for a while. And then I'm like, all right, I'm satisfied now. Now let's get, expand some more. Let's create. So being in paid employment, although I was a great employee and brought a lot of value to employers, I found, would find that it stifled me eventually. Yeah. So you truly are creative because uh, problem solving requires creative thinking, creative skills, right? And I think that that's, I mean, entrepreneurship is, is just solving problems. It's just solving problems, right? <laughs> it's really solving problems over and over again and loving it. It's loving yes. actually being faced with the challenge of solving the problem. Yeah. And this is, this is what, this is my, it's kind of my, it's my thing. I love doing that. that I love, whether it's in a crisis moment, I spent 15 years doing crisis management. So whether it's in the moment on, in the, on the fly with really like a lot at stake or whether it's, you know, a really thought out full strategy and looking at potential um, conflicts, problems, right? Threats, yeah. weaknesses, that kind of stuff. And then, and, and I really have this, uh, this optimistic, there is an answer and a solution for everything. In fact, I think Corey, you and I, you know, I reached out as I was working through some conflict or trying to negotiate a deal. And um, one of the things you said is that if everybody, if all the parties involved have the same desire, you will find an outcome, right? And that truly is, right? So I always, I don't know is never an answer. Yeah, it's like I love that. I don't know right now. Give me some time. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much, I think that's something that a, a principal I adopt all the time. It's like, I don't, I don't really take no for an answer. I will be like, okay, it might be a no for now. Yes. It's, it's the tenacity. I think that's a part of entrepreneurship too. Where do we zone in? But, um, but I'm an expander. I'm like an evolver. This is just what I do in my whole life. It doesn't matter what area of my life, not, not just in business. And it's how I see the world. It's how I move through the world. Um, and so what happens is no matter what experience is going on for me or my family, that's where I'm always taken to. So I'm always in this space of creation, excitement, evolution, and really I'm an, a very optimistic person, even considering some of the shit I've been through. So uh, as you're, as you're speaking here, a couple of things came up for me. One is that you just described yourself as a creator, which is funny because you just few, few sentences, a few moments ago, were saying how you aren't creative. So that right. just has, has my wheels turning there, but, and this is me just planting seeds, making, making an observation <laughs> because you truly actually deep down know that you are creative. So I guess what's the disconnect there? And that's for you to, to maybe just. Well, know. so that's mm. what, that's why I was saying like earlier, like I would have never described myself as a creative now over the last, especially the last few years, as I've peeled parts of me and the conditioned parts of me away and allowed um, just the sitting into the full expansion. 
I now recognize that as being a creator. Ah, so that's actually been part of the self-discovery process is really revealing that you, you are a creative. And, and that's really been, I think that that's really been dialed in, in the last like four to six months, really like understanding my human design, understanding where I'm at in my life cycle, uh, because then I have the benefit of looking behind me to see how I've expressed myself and how I've moved through life in the Mm -hmm. different areas. And um, really being able to embrace all of that and, and step into it and then just like wear it. So I also, as you were describing yourself, talking about sort of the hard things that you have experienced, um, you've been a victim of, or is situation. How is it that, that you were a victim of terrible things, yet you don't have a victim mentality. You maintain optimism. What is, is there a secret that, that you've explored or that something that, allows you to continuously step into optimism? You know, that's a good question, Corey, because it's not, it's not like one thing that creates that optimism. Yes. I had, you know, periods of time in my life where I was acting out or um, maybe not coping well with the, you know, I think because I'm a first, I, I think because I, I was a firstborn, I'm a twin and we're, we're the firstborn to my mom, family of five. She has five kids. And she was a very young mom and it was a, it was a free for all. Like you, you, it was like literally Darwinism in our house, right? Survival of the fittest, right? The world is our oyster. We just have to go get it. So the, the kind of scrappier or tougher or uh, more resilient, likely you will be to succeed. And so it kind of is, I think it was kind of ingrained in me in that my addiction became in, in high performance and achieving and succeeding. And that created that. And I just kept going on that. Your addiction became high performance. So let's go there. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a little bit. Obviously there's lots of pros of that, but yeah, right. But society, let's talk, society rewards us for this. Absolutely. But so what, what are the cons or what were the cons for you? Because there is, there's a toll. High performance takes a toll. I, I just like one my, it's my shtick. I love working with high performers. I love coaching them. I love talking to them because they're like literally my people, but it's, I think rarely spoken about the, the negative sides of that, the toll that it takes on yourself emotionally, spiritually. Yeah. So this is, and this has really been the last five years has been an unpacking of this particular behavior. Um, because through my adult life, again, like I said, I would just be, okay, so I've done this now. Okay. So that's good. Now let's go on to the next, you know, the next, the next, and I would just continue. But what happens is society starts rewarding you when you start a comp, when you come from a background like me, I mean, I'm a street kid. And if you get me with my siblings, we turn into like, or like, <laughs> We have a foul mouth. We're I want to come to that party. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. We're loud. We're all the, all the things, right? In fact, one time we were at my brother's, my twins, and I was visiting with them and we were getting all worked up. And his neighbor the next day said, who is that female with that foul mouth? 
he's like oh that was my sister so we do have we were like this so people when they see where I came from they're always like oh my god how did like how did that happen how did you go because I think they expect low uh, like um families to not do well you know as right but what ends up happening is as you start to experience these positives the first positive thing this is where I call it my first hit okay I'll, I'll go here a little bit of a trigger warning for your listeners. Um, so when I was 13, I was brutally beaten, almost killed by my mother's boyfriend. And he almost killed me. I was 13 and I was hospitalized for a while. And then I was, of course, not allowed to go back home. But I had siblings at home that stayed there. It makes no sense. Can't even to this day. To this day. So now that was when I was 13. I'm no longer 13. For those that are listening, I'm 55. So it's a, <laughs> a lot of years ago. <laughs> um my mom is still alive and she has dementia. And to this day, when we talk about that situation, because my mom was there sitting at the kitchen table, they were both very intoxicated, her part, her and her partner. Um, and she watched the whole thing. And at some point she finally called the ambulance and she will tell you to this day, she said it then she said it, you know, not that we talked about it a lot, but we've talked about it frequently throughout the course of our, you know, relationship. Um, she said that that saved my life. That's how she saved my life. That was her participation in keeping me alive was actually calling an ambulance for me. And very recently, she said to me, she said, the day, the moment I brought him home, I knew that he was going to kill you one day. I knew it. I knew it in my soul, in my gut, not the others, but you. So she said, it was never my intention to have you back in our home. And those are, yeah, I know, right? It seems like it's, that's what I mean. It's a bit of a trigger warning, but this is, she meet, and I say this and I share this not to like freak people out, but for people to see her perspective at the time, you know, she's young mom with her own stuff and addictions and mental health and all that kind of stuff. She really thought she was saving my life. So all of that had happened. And so what happens is you get a social worker because I'm no longer, of course, in the care of my parents. They give you a temporary guardian and you have to go to court. And so you go to court every year or whatever. And the social worker tells the judge all about you. And this was my first hit, my first hit of what happens when you do good and people notice. So my social worker is telling the judge all about how well I do in school and I'm such a good kid and, you know, I'm doing great in school and I'm really embarrassed. And I remember this still, I'm really embarrassed. I'm like, why are you telling him this stuff? And he says, I have to tell him because he very rarely sees good things in the system, right? Usually it's delinquents. Uh, he said, so you're kind of one of a kind, right? We don't get very many of you. And the judge gave me accolations. He addressed me, told me what a great job I was doing, how I had a great future ahead of me. Now, this is a man with prestige and positioning. He's up here. Literally, he's presiding over top of the rest of us, right? Yeah. And it was then that I realized the it started to fill me up because, of course, as a young person who went through this kind of uh, tumultuous and um, toxic childhood, this was the first time I've been seen, acknowledged. And so this was the first hit. I was like, oh, this feels good. This feels good to get this kind of acknowledgement, to be seen, to be validated. And that really started the process of me seeking validation, seeking uh, reward, seeking being seen, but I did it through success and achievement. Back then, I didn't see all that. So then you up your challenge, you up your goals. You're like, wait a sec. You know, I went, I, I got married state. I had some entrepreneurial experience or um, yeah, gave up a million dollar a year job, all that stuff, stayed home, 
homeschooled my kids, became Susie Homemaker, did all that kind of stuff for 20 years. And then as I started back to school and getting some more formal education, that's when I started to really start to expand. Like, yeah, I could do this stuff. I could do things that I choose to do. I'm smart enough now. I understand. I've got the confidence. And it's because you just start doing things and gaining that confidence. And then you start getting the accolades. People are like, oh, look at you. You came from nothing and now you're here. Like, you're like, and then it just, it keeps, it just keeps. Um, it's like there's the a answer. compound effect. Yeah. It just, and then, which is fine. So then here I am now in my forties, my forties were my best. I've loved my forties. And um, uh, so forties, I have, by then I, I own two companies. I am still working um, in uh, for the government, but very in a highly specialized position. I'm doing contract work, not for profit, helping them expand. I'm training for Ironmans. Like, you know, my life is full. I got a great family. I got grandkids. Like everything is just like, and people would often say to me, like, oh, my, how do you do so much? Why are you doing so much? You need to meditate. You need to slow down. And I, I just could not understand how sitting still would create more experience for me, would create you know, would optimize my experiences, like my life. Like, I don't understand. I like, and then I would just chalk it up to, you know, those people just being less motivated or less inspired, right? Like it was a them thing, but here's what was happening behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, what was happening is I was starting to have a lot of metabolic issues physically. I spent mm, eight years doing endurance training for Ironmans. I spent however many years before that running weight training. I went, did a stint in CrossFit for a number of years. Um, always really. So with this physical demand, as well as all the other things going on. And now remember, I thought I was pretty fucking smart. I'd already worked out my shit, my childhood stuff with my mom. I was in relationship with all my family. You know, I wasn't, you know, I, I thought I, I thought I, yeah, I thought I, I was, I thought I was so cocky. Oh my God. When I look back at me now, <laughs> um, but then, um, and so I started to have these physical things going on. Sorry. I don't mean to get so long on my story. No, I, I love it. So keep I started going. to have these physical things going on in the background that I was trying to address with functional medicine, natural medicine, all that kind of stuff, uh, metabolic kind of disorder. So I was having extreme hot flashes, lots of um, weight gain, poor sleep, all the things associated with a dysregulated nervous system, but, um, still was so much in denial. And that's why I call it an addiction that high performance. And I, you know, you work with a lot of high performers, even pro athletes, high performers, anybody that's working in in an extreme way, there's something they're working out. 100%. Like there just is, I just, I can now see that behind every high performer determination, like extreme hard worker there is something on the other side of that somewhere. And it's not to say it's a bad thing, but it, it does, it does come to a head somewhere. It always energy and pressure always will like blow. It just does. And your nervous system can only take so much. And so for me, so the denial was really being in denial of the impact of um, unresolved trauma. And it wasn't that, that the relationship wasn't resolved. Like I had resolved relationship with my mom and all that the unresolved piece was like the not being seen or validated and growing up in a childhood where I wasn't loved the way I needed to be all those things it's the impact of those things over your lifetime they start to get they start to get bigger and bigger but you become less uh sensitive to it so you become deaf and so that's the denial it's really being in that denial pace 
And then for me, the intervention, like, you know, you know, when they do with addicts, they have an actual, my intervention was cancer. So at 50 years old, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And yeah, so there's lesson, right? It's like the universe taps you, then it punches you, gives you a yeah. swift kick in the pants. And then it's like, let me just take this two by four. And we'll just and take you right out of the fucking game. <laughs> I tried to tell you before yeah. and all that. And when you, you get hit with the two by four and all this side, you're like, all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, there was that sign. No, there was that sign. Yeah. Oh, yep. And that one too. <laughs> but I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a tough girl. I'm like, no, that's still like, I mean, as the minute you get diagnosed with cancer, people start fucking giving you books on meditation and yoga. Like they're sending me tracks and videos and books. I'm like, oh, and again, I was still in this rejection. So it really, truly, if you think of the show intervention, my process was very similar. I still, even though I was, you know, I had, my body was physically different. I had gone through horrible, you know, treatment and, and consequences for our side effects from treatment. And it, <laughs> one of my dear friends is a clinical trauma therapist. And I remember sitting on my couch one day with her, you know, cause she's like, you know, people always have these like aha moments through cancer and journeys and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, listen, I had a good fucking life. I don't know what kind of aha moment they're supposed to be. I still remember. In fact, my lawyer had said that to me. He's like, oh, you know what? My wife had breast cancer 20 years ago and we have a way better life now. And I thought, what a stupid thing to say. Kicking and fighting. I didn't understand. And it really, you know, so that really was the intervention. Even though some people would consider that the healing, that really was the intervention because then the healing comes. Then it's about like the unpacking because I was literally taken. I had two businesses that we're running and I had to quit. And so, you know, how do I, how do I do all those things? I was training for the Austria Ironman during that time when I was diagnosed. And then it became, so what happened is I became so desperate. How do I, that's where I realized I was so desperate to have those things going in my life that I didn't know how to be anything without those. Hold that thought. Sorry for the interruption. The Super Expander Mastermind early enrollment is in full effect right now. And actually, your chance to save $1,000 on early enrollment ends on Wednesday, September 20th. Okay, I want you to imagine this. And if you're not driving, go ahead and just close your eyes for a moment. I want you to imagine going from feeling stressed out and burned out, searching for more clarity, experiencing bouts of procrastination and overwhelm, making decisions from a place of fear and anxiety to being completely laser focused and clear in your business, earning the income you desire with peace and ease, your calendars filled with white space and soul aligned clients. You have a supportive network of high level women ready to drop your name in a room full of opportunities. That vision is closer than you think. And it's not another business strategy that's going to get you there. It's time to stop settling for just enough and step into being the woman who has it all. The Super Expander Mastermind is open for enrollment, but spots are limited and we start in mid-October. So stop what you're doing right now. Scroll down into the show notes and let's get started today. Mm. That's why I started to know. I started to notice and started to do some of the work, oh. right? Like this is the unpacking, right? And so I am still as ambitious today and I still have a tendency. I'm a recovering, I'm not recovered. 
I'm a recovering high performer. I still have a tendency to get into that vibrational state. It's an energy. It's an, your nervous system gets in this. I, it's hard to explain it because, I, and Corinne, you might understand it. There's like this physiological energy when you have a dysregulated nervous system, at least for me, that buzzes so tightly that if you were like to flick it, it would just like crumble, but you don't notice it, right? It becomes, it becomes just the noise in the background. And so for me now, over these last few years is really, truly understanding when my nervous system is getting dysregulated. That is my silent partner. That's when I know uh, I'm in the wrong energy. So I think that what you're describing is it's essentially, it's like a form of hyper vigilance, which is what, when we're in that high performance mentality, and that's what you have to be in because what the the biggest fear, I think inside of high performance oftentimes, or one of the biggest fears is there's this almost an undercurrent of um, self-trust that it actually isn't there, right? It's like, if I stop and take a break, will I keep going? And so there's this actual, like, I'm not going to stop because I'm not sure if I stop, I'll keep going. Cause you're in, you know, how hard it is, all of the stuff that you're doing, but you've now desensitized yourself to it. And you know, if you just stop for a moment, all of the magnitude of the discomfort, the pain, the hardness is going to hit you like a ton of bricks. And you're just not sure if you'll be able to maintain. And that's exactly, and you know, that's the thing, because as I healed, I have a healer to get all woo-woo. I do have a particular healer that that started understanding in depth to my healing that I hadn't experienced before. And after about eight months, I went back to her and I said, you know what? Uh, I'm mad now because I can't run anymore. I have no desire to run. I have I had been running for, in fact, I would tell people that the, and I'm not, I'm not like my physical body is not. Um, a runner's body. It's not, it's not what I'm built for weightlifting. I'm short, I'm strong. I have short limbs, like all that dense that way. I'm not, I don't have this long lean body, but I ran for 20 years and I would tell people that would be the only way that I could spend the physiological energy that built in me in a day. That was the only way I could burn it off and sleep at night. So then, you know, whatever years later, I'm going through this really kind of deep cellular transformational healing. And that is no longer burning in me. And you know why? Because it was associated. So when I talked about being beaten, when I was 13 years old, I was um, dragged out of my bed in the middle of the night. So sleep disruption Mm. and the need to get away are very core uh, instincts for me. And that really was what I was out running, right? For all those years, always trying to make sure I was prepared. Yeah. Take off if I needed to. And a sleep disruption. I always considered myself a light sleeper. I never really thought anything of it until again, connecting, you know, trauma in the middle of the night. So if there's a noise that goes off in the middle of the night, I'm up like a shot. Right. And I'm like, I'm up and ready now. Now I'm, now I'm good, but it's just in discovering all that. And so the, the thing that was really pushing me in some of that physical high performance stuff, which really burned my body out was unresolved trauma and not understanding how that connected to my current state of reality, even though I would say I was unaffected by it. I really wasn't. It was really (sighs) hidden. Right. We're we're never not affected. Right. Because trauma really is what it does is it freezes us in the past, but it's has that it, it, that moment gets frozen from the past, but it's actually in your future and you just keep replaying it over. And it's like what dictates your future until you get out of it. Until somewhere, somehow that moment comes 
when, whether it's, you know, you got whacked on the, the head with a two by four, whether, <laughs> whatever it happens to be. Yeah. It's, and it's this loop that plays. Now I'll give you one other example of a loop that played for 15 years that I was unaware of. Remember I said, I thought I was very smart. I had already worked through my shit. I actually went to school to understand human behavior, to understand communication, to understand how humans change. And then I worked in that for 15 years, but guess where I landed? I landed in a child protection agency where I then was now in charge of protecting children who were vulnerable for uh, abuse and neglect. And so it kind of makes sense because I was a kid that was abused, like that I would end up like in this. So this makes sense to me. I was like, okay, I get it. I get how this would be something that I would be drawn to. But here's what happened inside of that career. I was great at it. I w- it was 100% me. I very quickly became the kind of most valuable employee. I became a supervisor. I became head of um, specialized units. I received esteem again. This is all feeding that addict in me, but the nature of the job was so perfectly aligned for me. People would be like, like my colleagues and stuff were like, holy, like, it's like you were born for this. And it really was. I really, this was, I was in flow and I was like, here's what happened during my healing this healing period where I went really dark and deep. So again, going back to that 13 year old who was removed from her home, I had a, I have a younger sister who was still at home during that time. She's five years younger than me. So she was eight. What happened was a couple of weeks after I had healed and gone into my group home. And when I was back to kind of normal, I was terrified for her because of course I had just about died in this home and my young sister is still there. And so I went to her school and stole her from school and brought her back to my group home. Adorable. Of course, I'm not allowed to keep her. I'm 13. So the she's not, it's not like it's a doll. So the police are called and she's returned back to my mom's care. Now, fast forward. I'm in my 50s. I'm going through super deep healing, cellular level healing, subconscious. I'm starting to really understand the power that all of that is holding. And my, the healer gal says to me, tell me what happened when you were 13. And I was like, oh, here we go again. And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Right. And she goes, no, 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 not about that. Tell me about your sister. And I was like, I, that caught my attention. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, well, what happened with your sister? And now I'm laying on a table. She's standing, she's an acupuncturist. She's standing behind me. She has no idea what's going on in my head. And in that moment, my subconscious was able to reveal this powerful, powerful, loop that I had been playing for 15 years. For 15 years, I had been protecting and apprehending children, saving them, trying to fill that, complete that loop from when I was 13, trying to save my sister. Mm. That showed up in my career and I was good at my career. I was, it was like that my subconscious had created the entire, well, it was the entire filter for what needed to be in order for me to have that loop being fed and met. And it wasn't until cancer that kind of like created a wobble in that loop that I was able to finally get some real deep insight into how those experiences really did color how I viewed the world and how I was showing up and the experiences and the meanings and all that. And that just like that, that became my awakening now. So you see how I go through, went through denial, the healing or the intervention, the healing, and then the awakening. And so that's really how the last five years have kind of rolled out in my evolution. And as I've done that, I've been able to step fully more into this expansive, entrepreneurial, um, optimistic, 
excited state because it's like being born again. Wow. Such a story, like such a wild, wild ride, crazy story. So a couple of things as I'm like sitting here, I was like, you've, are you right? Going to write a book? I feel like you need to write a book. I have a few chapters written. I have attempted to make it an intention over the last year. You know, you probably understand sometimes things happen and your intention gets put aside. I I haven't intentionally created space because the uh, object of the book has changed a couple of times. So I think that's a feel the book coming, whether it may not be conceived fully yet, but I feel like your story must be told. Like seeing you on stages, maybe you need to do a TED talk. Right? Um, yeah, <laughs> no joke. I mean, that is, that's a, that's a crazy serious story. And what I also see that's so powerful about it is how you're able to see the connection to all of those things very specifically, like each phase, which I feel like that is so powerful for other people to see because it's, we as humans so often learn by example. So it's like, wait, hold on. Now there's this almost like a template for people to see how their lives fit into that in terms of like, cause we all carry trauma, right? If you, if you were yeah. a child, if you were a child, yes. you, you have trauma, right? <laughs> yeah. We all, if you were born into this world yeah. and you're a human being, we, you've you have experienced trauma. something. Yeah. It might not be as like, yeah. Yeah, but we do. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like that's a, just a powerful way for people to see and perceive and understand and how much good that that would do for, for the world and how, how many people would really gain from your wisdom and, and your knowledge. And I'm also sitting here thinking that inside of this really powerful story that is your life, there had to have been some super expanders that have come along the way. I'm yes. sure more than even one. So I'd love for you to share a story, uh, your super expander, like your favorite one, or your the one that you think is two that come to mind. Um, and one is my social worker from when I was a kid. He really was a super expander for me because he was able to show me. I think he was the first person I had come into contact with that had like a career that had like a job. Because remember, I came from this childhood. My parents were addicts. They were. My dad was no longer, was no, not in the picture then. My mom lived off the system. Like there was no like role modeling of work and career and like all that kind of stuff. So he was really an expander in that sense because I, and I still can see in my mind's eye, like the pictures, like being a uh, expander in what a healthy male looks like in, but in my limited vision, like not in relation, like in relationship, but really so that was number one that would first and foremost and I kept in contact with him for years um and then the other one is my husband and this is really interesting because one of the things uh, there's a few things but one of the things that really will impact your ability to grow expand build wealth be fully expressive is of course your intimate partners who you choose as an intimate partner is just as important as how you structure your business or finances. Like they really can make or break you. And over the, we've been married for 29 years. We are a blended family. Um, we've run uh, family businesses. He has, you know, we have all kinds of different dynamics and stuff. And the one thing about that man is when we met and married, we eloped. Okay. We had four kids. I had one biological. He had three. Um, He'd been divorced for three years and um, we just jumped into life. Now, I don't necessarily 
would recommend other people doing it the same way we did, but it has had some positive, it has a positive outcome. <laughs> we knew each other for like three months. We had four kids who were like, okay, we're either going to do this thing and do it all the way. Um, but why he was an ex or is still an expander for me is because through all of my own growing and seeking and personal development and all of that process, he was always 100% supportive and confident in whatever it is I needed to be expressing at that time. He never, his ego never got threatened that I was going to become more than him or that I was going to leave him in the dust or leave him to take care of other things or he was going to miss out he never had this like he's never had this like FOMO kind of like I see this a lot especially in younger couples nowadays where one can't have different experiences than the other because then the other's being left behind and so in inside of having that confidence from him allowed me to really be fully expressive and do all the things right because he he would always be even even now to this day he gets a little scared sometimes of my entrepreneurial dreams it's a little like and he's like I know I I know I I know that if it's in you it's for you and it will come to pass and you will we will make it happen and you he's a great partner so he really has been a super expander Mary Mary you're super expander yes <laughs> as it turns out I love that though. I actually think that that is actually a great, some great advice, right? Making sure that one of the super expanders in your life truly is that. And that's, I think maybe like a determining factor if, if that gets to be your life partner or not. Yeah. So good. So tell me in this entrepreneurial journey, like, where are you now? What's going on? We, oh, where are we now? It's funny because we thought we were heading one way, one direction. So my husband, a couple of years ago, right after I was diagnosed with cancer, it kind of brings things a little bit closer, brings your end a little bit closer when you have a run-in with a potentially uh, terminal illness, right? So we made some decisions a little quicker than we were gonna and um we're like okay we're gonna go into kind of this early retirement we're gonna step out of this like what we called our like active earning phase right active building phase in businesses we sold a couple businesses he became kind of retired if you will bought some properties we're gonna hang out in some pro you know different province and then go be snowbirds and you know live a leisure life while we dabble in a few things i was going to do some coaching because i'd been in transformation and change for years and so i was going to do some online coaching he was going to do some um door consulting blah 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 Uh, but that's not kind of how things have rolled out now um we are now back fully operational in one of our businesses we have launched a coffee roasting business and we have a new one that we're just starting to work on that we're really excited which is more of a legacy business that we a startup so we we have now decided that we are in full growth mode again, but really mm-hmm. with a very different, both of us are coming with very different experiences and mindsets because mm. he was owned a business for 45 years that was family run. Like he bought from his dad, him and his dad started and blah, blah, blah. And it had a lot of, it had a lot of stuff in it, right? So mm-hmm. this is where we are now. We are back in our growth and wealth building and legacy building. Yeah, I'm really excited. And I just have to say, give a little bit of plug that one of the biggest, I'll use the word expander just to stay on brand, has <laughs> actually been for me, has actually been including or integrating breath work. When I said earlier in the interview about meditation, traditional meditation, for someone like me, it's still not a good thing. I still 
don't do very well with traditional meditation. And this is a plug for hypno breath work in general. You as a facilitator, it really is a game changer in helping bring down that nervous system, remove blocks, unseen blocks. You don't have to know them all to process them all, right? And it leaves you feeling just way more clear and energized and focused. And I would have to say that in the last kind of four five months that has really helped in that. Wow. Yeah. It is such, um, such a powerful thing. I would say it's a perfect fit for, for high performers for so many reasons, because it's hard to sit still in meditation, right? And because it's this observations of thought and as a high performer, you start to sit still and all the thoughts just start getting bombarded. And it's really hard to sit with those thoughts, even though that's the work and that's the practice, right? But you'll start to think that you're doing it wrong when you're doing meditation, because that's just the nature of a high performer. I think it's the nature of human beings, but inside of hypno breath work, you can latch onto the breath as something to focus on. And then of course, as a high performer, we like to do things deeper, faster, all the things. So now you're flooding your body with oxygen and the more oxygen that comes in, the deeper you can go the more flow you experience, the more insights that come through. So it truly is, I think, (laughs) perfectly designed for high performers. I 100%, I am like a junkie. When I tell, talk to people about it, they're like, oh, stop talking about it. I'm like, seriously, dude, if you can't do meditation, getting still is probably one of the most valuable things you can do, but it's challenging because stillness brings, it's not even it just brings you to new levels of awareness. And I feel really cliche saying it, especially after being the one that would be like, I don't even know. I don't understand what being still has to do with, you know, going forward. They seem to be like oppositional. Um, But for me, the hypno breath work uh, combining that active part. So staying consciously active is very helpful, but also receiving the information and really letting my, letting those blocks that, may be there that I may be aware of or not just flow through and getting new ideas and all just it has been tremendous so I mean use this as a plug if you will because it really has been a game changer for me in this awakened stage of that I'm in like a fire needs oxygen and fuel you're not meant to reach your goals alone. Your missing part could be as simple as finding the right community. And if it's not my community, there's definitely the right one out there for you. If you're looking for a place to start, check out the link in the show notes and let this community help you breathe in fresh oxygen.